Hey there, coming up on the podcast for this Wednesday, January the 20th, Canadian snowbirds getting the COVID vaccine in Florida. Plus, we will tell you about a Toronto florist who is selling weed bouquets for Valentine's Day and Joe Biden sworn in as the 46th president of the United States. All of that coming up right now. Prime Minister Trudeau with a warning for travelers as we continue to deal with the second wave of the pandemic. For more on this, here is travel expert, president of Travel Secure, Marty Firestone is on the line and joins us here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Marty, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. All right. The Prime Minister has said that any Canadian planning travel, essential or not, Marty, that uh, they should think about cancelling it? Yep. They really should. And and that's a problem, because if he should change something after you've already left the country, then what are you going to do? The question is, are you going to be able to come back into Canada? And if you can't, which is really the bizarre part of this whole story, what will you do? I mean, there's a tremendous amount of uh, problems you'll run into from extension of your current insurance coverage to where you're going to live, how you're going to eat, what are you going to have to pay for it? All these things are going to all come up if, in fact, that should happen. All right. Students of Shakespeare might call this foreshadowing. Is that what we're thinking the prime minister has uh, done here with this uh, warning for travelers, essentially telling you that uh, something else is afoot here, uh, the other shoe is about to drop? I believe it is. And I'll tell you, I think it's somewhat of a, if the right word is embarrassment, that like in in spite of a travel advisory, in spite of constant telling you not to travel, the, the people who are flying to get the vaccine, uh, that totally must really upset him. And other people are via incentivization by airlines going to Puerto Vallarta, going to Cancun. Those flights are filled. They're not empty or they wouldn't be leaving. So I think he's saying, guys, you go. But don't say I didn't tell you if, in fact, I make a change, and now you wonder how are you going to get repatriated back. All right. What would your recommendations then be, knowing what we know from the prime minister at this point, uh, for travelers, Marty? I wouldn't leave. I would not leave the country. I think something is going to change. I don't know how much it will change. What if they make you quarantine two weeks to the place you're going to be going to? So now you've got two weeks there. You've got two weeks back here. You have a negative test going out, a negative test coming in. I think they're going to just make travel so difficult that it really doesn't play into the cards anymore to go, which maybe is the way to go. I mean, that's, that's the big question. All right. Meantime, you just mentioned a second ago about uh, some Canadian residents uh, getting the vaccine uh, elsewhere. We're hearing, and it seems like, Marty, that uh, some residents of Florida aren't taking too kindly to Canadian snowbirds uh, down there for the uh, winter lining up uh, for the coronavirus vaccine. Yeah, that's the buzz of the day, it appears. However, I think I have some very interesting new information that just came out about an hour ago. and The governor finally has decided it's got to stop. And he is now saying effective as of today, you've got to show some kind of at least Florida ID or a utility bill to suggest that you are an owner in Florida, albeit you could still be a snowbird, but you at least come down and support our state for five months a year. That's huge because prior to that, people were going down and could rent or just stay in a hotel, get the first shot, get the second shot, and be out of there in three weeks. So I would call this a very significant uh, step today. Yeah. Were there cases of that, of Canadian snowbirds or otherwise just flying down so that they could get in the queue, get in the line for vaccine? Uh, As we know, and it made big news here yesterday, Pfizer, of course, has stopped shipments uh, at least for a week. Uh, We'll get zero shipments of the Pfizer vaccine next week here in the country. So have some people traveled, uh, you know, in particular for that purpose? My clientele, I'm going to say no. My clientele would typically have 
gone November to April and chose not to go this year for a host of reasons. When the vaccine became available in January, that changed the perspective a bit, and some of them had decided to go and would stay the rest of the snowbird season as we know it. Do I know people, though, that got on a plane, jet-setting, as they like to make it sound in the media, fly down for the shot and then head back home the same day, go back down three weeks ago, three weeks after? I don't know. But I suspect in any group there's always going to be a couple that would. That's for sure. All right. But again, the governor has just announced, this is breaking news, that Florida will stop doing that. You need to be a resident to show Florida ID or some sort of proof of land ownership. Yeah, a utility bill will say that I own that condo or I own that townhouse. And whether I am a Canadian or a snowbird, that's going to be okay, though. At least it shows that you have property there and you do support the economy in good times, at least five months a year when you are considered a snowbird. So that's... That's not going to affect anybody I know as far as people who are, have gone down because they do have places they went to. They just chose not to go in November. But there's others, though, that definitely were just renters that now, if I'm reading it right, and I'm sure I am reading it right, they are not going to be able to show a utility bill with their name on it that matches the birth certificate or passport showing they're over 65. All right. Marty, appreciate the time and the update as always. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, Marty Firestone is the president of Travel Secure and our travel expert. Not too far down the line is Valentine's Day. And this year, one Toronto business is offering, well, a bit of a unique offering for the love of your life, one that caught our eye. And for more on this, we're joined now by Vivian Wilson, founder of Greenport Cannabis Store. She joins us here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Vivian, how have you been? I've been great, Jeff. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Listen, a bouquet of flowers, that's a pretty standard fare for Valentine's Day, but to tell everybody how you've kind of taken that traditional gift and, well, elevated it. Yes, we've um, taken it to a higher level, as as we would (laughs) say. It's called a higher love bouquet, and um, it features a seven gram of cannabis flower. All right, so this is kind of just put inside a bouquet of uh, flowers. Is just a one of many offerings inside the bouquet. Would that be right? Uh, no, it's actually um, enlaced in with the flowers as another flower within the bouquet. Right. Okay. And uh, so this is kind of I don't know the the gift that just maybe keeps on giving. <laughs> I would say so, yes. It's something that's really unique. It's a collaboration between myself and Paralumen and Flora. Um, and it's just a great way to for us both business, local business owners, to have done something really unique and creative to hopefully put a laugh on people's face during this very difficult time. Sure, yeah. Maybe this answers my next question, but I was going to ask you the, the genesis of this, or where the idea came from. So you just uh, partnered uh, with another uh, business, got talking, and uh, lo and behold? That's exactly it. Um, Kim, the, one of the owners from Paralumen Flora, she approached me about this idea, and I thought, what a great way to um, come together as two local business owners and create something new, create something different and unique and fun. Yeah, I think this is different and unique. I've never seen this before, heard about something like this uh, before, kind of a a cannabis uh, bouquet. Uh, Do you believe this to be a first? In Canada, I I, I, I haven't seen anything like that, like this here. And with the design that Kim, the florist, has done is really unique and creative for even just a Valentine's bouquet in general. So this is something that I would say is, is quite new. 
And what has the reaction been like? I mean, I know we're still a few weeks, two, three weeks outside of uh, Valentine's uh, Day, but is there, uh, and pardon another one of these puns, but has there been a buzz? (laughs) Definitely. We have seen a significant amount of orders, actually mainly by men, um, buying for, as we've saying, Valentine's Day is not just for lovers. So it could be that they're buying for their significant others or for friends or family. Because this is just such a unique offering that um, you could literally offer it to or provide as a, as a gift to anyone. Sure. And this is a, a gift that can be uh, displayed, I don't know, on the dinner table, the coffee table, <laughs> and uh, can also be smoked. <laughs> That's true. That's correct. There's many usage for it. But it at least will drive a lot of discussion and um, and hopefully can destigmatize the idea of cannabis and cannabis use. And it would be a great decision or discussion starter. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Do you think that this is going to help uh, destigmatize uh, weed or marijuana a little more? Obviously, it's been uh, legal for a little bit now in Canada, and I don't think people would, you know, think twice about maybe getting the love of their life, uh, you know, a bottle of wine, a bottle of champagne for Valentine's Day. And is this uh, another move towards maybe changing people's uh, minds and their mindset about uh, cannabis and seeing it more along the lines of alcohol? We hope so. We hope that it will definitely be a long, it will definitely be a conversation starter. We're seeing a, a, a huge shift in the amount of, in the people that are purchasing the product and um, the kind of conversations that are being had about it. And so we're hoping that it will destigmatize the cannabis plant a lot more by making it something, by having it seen like what it is, a flower. It just has a bit more healing properties to it. <laughs> All right. Having said uh, all of that, uh, how has business uh, been? Because, you know, we certainly have heard that the liquor stores have uh, been a lot more busy during the uh, pandemic. Uh, does the same hold true uh, when it comes to uh, cannabis? Uh, what's your experience been through the pandemic? I think for us, it, it's or for the cannabis space, it definitely depends on the location that you're in. Within Toronto, especially downtown core, we've been on lockdown for almost a year now. And we've seen, especially within Little Italy, um, a significant reduction in foot traffic here. And a lot of our, our neighbors are bars and restaurants, so they've been shut down for almost a year now. And, and you know, we've seen the impact of that as well. And we're just hopeful that um, we can continue to support the community that we're in and work with other local businesses to just keep us going while we're going through this very difficult time. Absolutely. And uh, with this Valentine's Day uh, bouquet, which is uh, you know very unique and a little different as we've been talking about, is this something that you think might extend beyond Valentine's Day? I mean, there's a ton of reasons why people give flowers throughout the year. I mean, there's birthdays and uh, other celebrations. Uh, can you see it transferring to that maybe? Definitely. I think this is this hopefully will give us an, a start and we'll start um, get people to start thinking about unique ways of um, uh, showing cannabis or sharing cannabis. So we're we're hopeful that we will see that trend take off in other for other holidays as well. All right. If uh, anyone's listening and they would like to order a Higher Love uh, bouquet, how can they do so? They can visit us at greenport.store at our website. It's greenport.store, and you'll be able to place your order on the bouquet. All right. Vivian, really appreciate the time as always. Nice to speak with you. You too, Jeff. Thanks so much. All right. Stay well. There's a Vivian Wilson, founder of Greenport Cannabis Store, with the new Higher Love bouquet, the bouquet of flowers with a... uh, 
bit of a surprise for your sweetie this Valentine's Day, uh, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> well, Joe Biden has been sworn in as the 46th president of the United States. Joining us now, here's University of Toronto political scientist Nelson Wiseman. He's on the line and joins us here on Global News Radio. Nelson, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Okay, with uh, Trump refusing to attend in the pandemic, of course, uh, this was an inauguration like no other. Just uh, wondering, first off, kind of what were your impressions taking it all in and watching it today? Well, the big thing was the pandemic. You didn't have the big crowd, although it was colorful uh, with the flags and, you know, the various colors. Uh, you know, the big and the other big thing, as you mentioned, was that Trump wasn't there, not playing the role that's traditionally played by an ex-president. And we had all the other ex-presidents there except for Carter, who wasn't there because of illness, and which was acknowledged by Biden. So that was the big change. And uh, the other big change I see now going forward is I don't think we're going to get nearly as much coverage of Trump as many people thought just a few weeks ago, because he's been discredited in in his party or large elements of his party. And now it's not clear who and what the Republican Party represents and who the leader of the party is. Traditionally, in the United States, the defeated candidate continues to be nominally the leader of the party. So thus, Hillary Clinton was considered still the leader of the Democrats four years ago, even though she wasn't elected to any position. But, uh, you know, it's not clear Trump's going to have that position in the Republican Party although obviously there are a a very strong core of supporters that are attached to him, although I think that constituency will shrink. You know, Biden spoke quite a bit in his speech about unity. Uh, Does that have to be, do you think, Nelson, his number one priority, and just how tough is that going to be to achieve? Well, you can talk about unity. I don't think it's, you know, everybody... Every uh, president that gets elected, except Trump's speech was quite different, talks about bringing the country together after the division of an election. But that's what's to be expected in an inaugural speech. Um, He's got challenges in front of him. What helps him is the disarray in the opposition, the disarray in the Republican Party. What, on the other hand, what limits him is that although the Democrats will now control both the legislative and executive branches, and both uh, sides of the uh, legislative branch, both the Senate and and the House of Representatives, their margins are very, very narrow. In the Senate, they're tied. And in the House of Representatives, the Republicans actually picked up seats in the election, and they have a very good chance of uh, becoming the majority party in the House after 2022. If we think back to Obama's years, when also the Democrats also had, uh, for for two years, when Obama first got elected, control of the presidency, the House of Representatives, and the Senate, part of what was holding up Obama's agenda were other Democrats. So you'll have divisions within the party, the governing party, just as the, not the chaos and, and, and more or less lack of cohesion right now in the Republican Party, but they don't have the same level of party discipline that you have in Canada. Here, you know, 99% of the MPs vote the way their leader wants them to vote. 
and 99% of the time. That isn't the case in the United States, and many will be voting, calculating, especially in the House, because all those elections come up next year, how their votes will be taken by their constituents. And in the United States, unlike Canada, uh, 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 the, the representatives vote very much the way their constituents would like them to vote. In Canada, your constituents don't count for very much in how you vote. You vote the way the leader wants you to vote. All right, so there's a lot of talk about the unity amongst uh, party members, amongst the uh, electorate, the citizenry in, in general. But, of course, there is also a, a pandemic that has uh, just ravaged the United States, 400,000 deaths and counting. And Joe Biden has also spoken about the need to uh, ramp up vaccinations. Do you think that is going to be the focus of uh, what is the measuring stick of any new president, their first 100 days? Well, it is the biggest challenge. You know, he his goal, which I think is aspirational, is to inoculate 100 million people in 100 days. Well, they've been inoculating more than in Canada. I think their rate is about, on a per capita basis, double what it is here in Canada. But it isn't anywhere near a million a day. And today is day one, and they're not going to do a million today, and I'm sure they're not going to do a million tomorrow. They will ramp up. That will be, you know, that is the biggest challenge. And Canadians will continue to measure our progress on inoculations compared to the Americans. They're not having any disruption now with the Pfizer vaccine because the Pfizer vaccine is produced in the United States. We are dependent on Pfizer vaccine that's produced in Belgium, and they're um, reconfiguring their production facility right now. So we're getting cut off. But the good news is, if the Americans are successful in immunizing most of their population, let us say by the middle of the summer or whenever, whenever they do, um, Canada can benefit because we might end up getting, I hope, uh, doses, vaccines from the Pfizer facility in the United States. I mean, we are really in all of this together, the whole world, but Canada and the United States are part of a continental, we've got oceans on both sides. So to some extent, we benefit the faster the Americans get immunized. Mm -hmm. Well, what you're talking about there, obviously, too, uh, overarching is the Canada-U.S. relationship. And I also wanted to ask you, Nelson, about one of the executive orders, which we hear is to cancel the Keystone XL pipeline. Now, I know Prime Minister Trudeau is uh, asking now President Biden to reconsider, but could this possibly, do you think, uh, set the tone and maybe the wrong tone for moving forward uh, in U.S.-Canada relations? Uh, You know... I don't think a cancellation of the permit by the Americans is any surprise uh, if they do it. And I, th- and I have every expectation that they will. Will it sour the relationship? No. No. I mean, Canada, of course, would prefer to have the Keystone Pipeline. And we may still have court battles over it. Uh, Trans-Canada can take them to court over this. But uh, uh, it, it, look, let's remember, Joe Biden is deeply steeped in international relations and diplomacy. When he was in the Senate for all those years, he was chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee. The reason Obama picked him to be vice president is because Obama didn't have experience in international relations, 
and Biden did. Now, contrast that to Trump, who was only in Canada once, and he didn't even want to come, but he had to come for a few hours because it was the G7 conference. Um, uh, uh, Biden is much more knowledgeable about what's going on in the world. He's got a relationship already with Trudeau, but I don't think that's going to change a sovereign American decision about uh, whether they want a pipeline. I mean, I notice Canadians are very big about having their pipelines go into the United States. They just don't want pipelines in their own country. Well, it's something obviously uh, the nation, and in particular Alberta, will be watching uh, very closely in the days and weeks to come. Nelson, appreciate the time and the perspective as always. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you, Jeff. All right, stay well. That is Nelson Wiseman, professor of political science at the University of Toronto.